Welcome to Let's Connect. My name is Keith McPherson, and I'm so glad you've decided to join me for this next episode. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Jane Helbrecht from Acuity HR Solutions. Jane is an amazing leadership speaker, trainer, and coach, and she's here today to share about how to set big, hairy, audacious goals, and also how to show up as a leader in your world. So sit back, relax, and let's connect. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Let's Connect. I'm excited to introduce you to Jane Helbrecht today. As you heard in the intro, she's somebody who is all about goal setting and leadership. And these are two of my favorite topics in the world. I recently met Jane when we were sharing a stage together at an event. I was speaking about mindfulness. She was speaking about leadership and goal setting. And uh, after hearing her speak, I was so blown away. I went up to her and I was gushing and just telling her, what an inspiring speaker she is. And she shared with me that she'd never been on a podcast before. And one of her bucket list items was to be a guest on a podcast. So upon hearing that, I thought, let's check that bucket list item off her list today and uh, have her on the podcast. So uh, this conversation is going to be all about how to set goals for yourself, especially when they're big and they feel very audacious um, and hairy, whatever that means. Um, Also, Jane's going to be speaking a lot about uh, her her involvement in leadership and how to grow leaders and how to grow your own leadership. She spends a lot of time working with organizations in that capacity. And I know that she's got wisdom to share in that area with us as well. So before we get into the conversation with Jane, just a reminder to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss an episode. And also, if you have the chance to visit my website, which is keithmcpherson.ca, especially these days with all of the complexity around the COVID virus and uh, all the busyness and changing that's taking place in the world, it can be quite a difficult place to navigate. And um, so I have purposely on my website put up tools um, to help you cope and find balance and inner peace at this time. So you can find um, guided meditations there. I've got an online mindfulness course available. Um, and there's also a daily positive intention that I can send out if you subscribe um, that just gets you in the right mind frame as you move through the day. So be sure to visit that, my website, keithmcpherson.ca. And uh, without further ado, Let's talk about big, hairy, audacious goals and leadership now with the lovely Jane Helbrecht. All right, Jane, you're here with me, and I'm so excited that you're on the podcast. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we met recently at an event, and I was so excited to hear that you'd never been on a podcast, mm-hmm. and we're, chuck- we're checking this off of your bucket list. It's literally on my bucket list. I have a 40 by 40 list that I'm trying to complete by the time I turn 40. Wow. And this literally being on a podcast was one of my 40 by 40. That's what else is on there? I mean, Um, some of the other things. There's a whole bunch of things. Uh, There's some trips that are on there. You know, there's like, you know, sleep in the desert. Really? Somewhere. Something like that. Sleep like in the wide open desert. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not wide open, but in the desert. Somewhere, somewhere. in the desert. Yeah. Um, what else is on there? You know, I have um, certain speaking uh, 
things that I'd like to do or, you know, conferences I'd like to attend. Yeah. Um, there's more simple ones too. I was trying to come up with things that didn't cost money because you can't have 40 things that are all like going to Morocco <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. things like that. Uh, like one was take a wine class. Oh, wow. Just like a class on wine tasting, things like that. Now my pun is like, why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I actually have a group of friends. We call ourselves Why Not. Are you serious? We keep a running list of all of the um, restaurants in the city and what nights they have cheap wine on. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love this. It's great. <laughs> yeah. It's like a 40 by 40 list, but consciously not spending too much exactly. money. Exactly, yeah. That sounds so yeah. fun. Well, from the moment I've met you, I just feel this expansive burst of energy and uh not only that but also just your drive and passion to like i guess create and make things happen in your life and uh, i'm really excited too to talk to you today about just this theme of goal setting mm -hmm. which can be quite um what's the word kind of like all over the map there's so many different perspectives on this yeah i know you do a lot of work in, in hr solutions yeah. and uh, i'd love to hear like what does it mean to goal set to you like what is that yeah um, I mean, I think it's just nice to have something to work towards, right? And it doesn't have to be huge. And, you know, we've talked before about uh, big, hairy, audacious goals or BHAGs. Yeah. And I love it. BHAGs. Yeah, BHAGs. <laughs> and, and that comes from Jim Collins, who wrote a book called Good to Great. And he talks about BHAGs more from a business perspective, like what's the big, hairy, audacious goal for your business, which is great. Right. Um, but when I'm talking about them, I'm thinking more from a personal perspective, right? Like what's that thing that scares you? Um but that's always going to sort of um, whisper at you if you don't do it, uh. right? Um, but, you know, those big, hairy, audacious goals, they might be really big. Uh, but for some people, those big, hairy, audacious goals might seem a little bit more simple, right? Like, mm. it might not be running a marathon. It might be like running a mile. Um, so everybody's big, hairy, audacious goal might look a little bit different. How does one find out what theirs is? Um, that's a really good question. I think that one of the questions that I really love to sort of zone in on that is what makes you feel most alive? What makes you feel most alive? Like if I can think about the, th the times and the places where I have felt the most engaged, the most in the moment, uh -huh. the most alive, what are those? What about those really speak to me? And are there other opportunities to do more of that? Wow. Um, I know one that's been really powerful for other people in my life is the sort of what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Oh, wow. Question, right? Yeah. Like if, if you knew you were going to succeed, what would you take on and what would you do? Yeah. Do you find, I mean, in working with people, failure seems like such a huge barrier to going for what we really want. Yeah. Do you find this too? Yeah. Why is that in you know, your opinion? Yeah. It's, I, I mean, I think that our culture, we have a really high achieving culture. We also have a lot of perfectionists yeah. in our midst. I'm, I'm a, definitely a recovering perfectionist. I'm <laughs> working at it. And, um, you know, I think that we just picture that things are supposed to go a certain way and we worry that they're not going to go that way. And what's that perception? It's probably usually not that much about us. It's about what we think other people are going to think. Right. Wow. So a recovering perfectionist, I would, would love to just hear a little more because yeah. I almost guarantee there are people listening that would consider themselves in the category of perfectionism. Yeah. And not, you know, there's kind of, they kind of take a bad rap sometimes. Like you, you shouldn't be a perfectionist. Yeah. But there's a lot of gifts there, I imagine. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of good things about it, for sure. Um, and that drive, right, for sure is is helpful. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I definitely constantly have to work at getting over uh, needing to be a perfectionist or wanting to be perfect at something because that stops you from so much, right? Yeah. I think there's um, a quote that I think maybe initially came from Facebook and it's, you know, done is better than perfect. 
Mm. And I have to remind myself of that often. I have a lot of uh, presentations I put together. I have a lot of, um, you know, materials that I uh, write or put together and reminding myself that, okay, like done is better than perfect. Even, you know, sometimes in marketing materials of being like, well, it's better to get this stuff out there so people know what we're doing yeah. than it is of being 100% perfect because it's never, it's never perfect. Why, in your opinion, see, why is there such a uh, drive in our culture, just collectively speaking, to be perfect? Mm. Like, why do we get caught up in this kind of modality of perfectionism. Yeah. Uh, you know, now I think a big factor is social media mm. uh, to a certain extent, right? You follow a lot of people that maybe appear to be really perfect because you're seeing the highlight reel right. of all of the best vacations and all of the best things that they're doing and they're not always sharing uh, the bad days, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that that like constant information and feedback loop uh, probably plays into it a little bit. Wow. So your process of being a recovering perfectionist and yeah. getting, I, I just really admire the fact that you're being so honest and open about that. Like what's been your process to um, recover from mm -hmm. the kind of cultural perfectionism that's expected? Yeah. There's a few things. Um, you know, from a an social media perspective, one of them is uh, not following, uh, you know, certain people or influencers or things like that that uh, trigger you, right? That every totally. time you see what they're posting, you go, oh, like they just have the perfect life. Like, you know, I mean, people in my life, I'm going to follow even if things look really great, right. but I don't need to follow an influencer or somebody else where every time I see what they're doing, it, it somehow um, triggers some of my insecurities or, or things like that. Wow. That's um, such a good one. Just to say like, cause how often is it you're yeah. scrolling through Yeah. and we start comparing and it's like, oh, I wish I had that life or I wish I looked that way or. Absolutely. Wow. Right? So eliminate so that stuff. Get rid of that stuff. And then, um, on the other side of that, to be really intentional about who I do follow. Uh, and mm. a, a lot of the people that I do follow these days in particular um, are sort of talking a lot more about body positivity uh, and things like that, which which has been really helpful in terms of, again, you know, from a aesthetic standpoint, uh. Uh, maybe dealing with some of the perfectionist tendencies there um, that, uh, you know, may not always be healthy for you, right? Sure. Um, the other thing I do, you know, um, we all make mistakes. We all mess up. And a big thing that I, I try and remember is that whole, like, will this matter or will anyone remember in a week or in six months or in a year? Right. Because, right. like, if nobody's going to remember in six months, why am I giving it so much of my energy? I remember you saying right that at, at the keynote that yeah. you did that I watched. And that was so impactful when you named that. It kind of gave me perfection or per permission, yeah. <laughs> not perfection, permission to just be like, um, yeah, like, why am I? being so hard on myself to get it perfectly right when mm -hmm. it might not even matter in yeah. six months or whenever it is. For sure. And all you can do wow. is be as prepared as you can be yeah. for things and, and work as hard as you can work. And then it's going to be what it's going to be, right? You you strike me as somebody that's so creative. Hmm. Like it's just all of this wisdom comes out of you <laughs> when you speak and watching your keynote was like that hmm. too. Where does that come from for you? Uh, I don't know. I think uh, one of the things for me that can be a blessing and a curse is I would uh, classify myself as somebody who speaks to think. I'm not a think to speak person. Oh, wow. Um, that's something I, I talk to a lot uh, when I'm talking to leaders or individuals I'm, I'm working with or coaching is where people fall on that spectrum. Oh. Um, and so 
I'm a speak to thinker and I'm, I'm lucky that I have a job that requires me to talk a lot. So what's the life of a speak to thinker like? <laughs> um, it just means I'm always saying exactly what's on my mind. Wow. It, it also means that uh, for me to figure out how I feel about something uh-huh. or to figure out how I'm going to solve a problem, I have to talk about it. Like, I think uh, the, the president of my company, Brad, who I've worked with on and off for a number of years, he knows half the time I come to him with a problem, I'm going to talk for 10 minutes and I'm going to work my way through it. And <laughs> by the end, I'm going to come up with an answer and he's going to be like, cool, just go do that. Wow. <laughs> um, he knows I'll come up with it myself, but I, I do have to talk about things to process. Yeah. Um, I have you know friends and colleagues I work with that are the total opposite. Right. You throw something at them and they say, you know, give me five minutes, give me an hour, give me a day, whatever it is, and I'll I'll get back to you. Unbelievable. Yeah. This totally makes sense to me why certain people in my life are so slow to say yeah. something like just say what you're feeling or you know, because yeah, I think I'm me. in yeah. the same department as you yeah. where I just like to speak to think, but to think to speak feels foreign to me. For sure. And so it's <laughs> it's one of those things that's Again, a blessing and a curse, right? Because I think I talk a lot, so I figure out how I feel about a lot of things that helps me process. And yeah. my job requires that I work my way through a lot of um, discussion with people and figure out ways to to share uh, concepts and things with them. So I think that that's partially where um, where some of that that comes from. But on the opposite side of things, it means that sometimes I speak when I shouldn't. Yeah, it just kind of right? comes out. It just comes out without yeah. you even processing what you're saying. Yeah, I definitely have to catch myself <laughs> in those moments where um, I need to sit back and my instinct is to talk and I go, okay, I got to sit back on this one Yes, and let other people talk. And I'm not always great at it. Like that's a constant thing that I have to work at. Is to create space for others to speak. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> oh, I just totally love your vulnerability and <laughs> truthfulness here. <laughs> it's just Thank the way you. it is. <laughs> oh, it's incredible. Yeah. Wow. So let's get on back. Well, some yep. of this probably applies to goal setting, mm-hmm. but just back on that track for a bit yeah. here. So the first thing to do is to find out what you are passionate mm-hmm. about, what lights you up, you were saying. Yeah. So once you find that, well, how do you find that? Yeah. That's another piece of that. I think, uh, I mean, there's a few different ways to do that, but I do think just like paying attention to what you're drawn to, Mm. right? Like, um, where do you want to spend your time personally and professionally? Does that give you some insight, right? Maybe, um, if there's something you really like doing at work Mm. and it doesn't actually fall into your wheel of responsibility at work, like ask yourself why you keep going in that direction. Mm -hmm. Um, I think sometimes thinking back to things that you were passionate about or spent a lot of time on as a kid. Oh. Might be an indicator. What was yours? Um, mine was like acting and theater and, you know, like I was the director of all of my friends and giving, giving myself the best part in whatever play, you <laughs> oh know? Oh my gosh, that's um, awesome. So yeah, the <laughs> fact that I now do a lot of work speaking, uh, you know, is like sort of the grown up version of, of that acting I probably did a little bit as a kid, that performance Unbelievable. Sort of piece of things. Right. So there's definitely a correlation Yeah. There. Yeah, it's yeah. almost like we come into the world with these like pieces of passion yeah. embedded, but oftentimes people forget or they kind of get on another track and yeah. it's like, what lights you up even yeah. when you're a kid? And what, what feels like play? Like what's the kind of stuff you love doing from a work perspective or personal perspective, especially when I think of work, like I want people to find work that they would almost do for free mm. if, if they didn't need the money, you know what I mean? Like that feels like play yes. to them and, you know, not the kind of play as in, you know, I have um, some workplaces I work with that have foosball tables and right. lots of, which is great, but like the kind of play where you actually find 
playfulness in the work that you're doing itself, where the work is play, right? Yeah. And for some people that might be solving a problem in a spreadsheet that mm-hmm. they love that puzzle mm. and figuring that out. That's not my version of play. We're but very I, similar. Yeah. <laughs> I know people where that's their uh-huh. version of play, right? Uh-huh. Um, but mine might be connecting with people and telling a story and helping illustrate some sort of point through that story. Wow. Um, yeah. So yeah, what what does play look like for you? When do you lose time where you've been uh, you know, working on something for an hour and it feels like 15 minutes? Right. Those are things to pay attention to. Amazing. So somebody starts getting clear on what lights them up, where they like to play in terms Mm -hmm. of that. And then how do you move into a process of setting goals from there? Like, how do you make that happen? Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is just starting to like visualize and think of like, Mm. where do I want to take this? What does this look like? Ah. Uh, What what would that feel like? Right. Maybe even thinking of people, examples that you can think of, of people that are doing that that work or who are on the path to accomplishing that goal Mm. and what is it that you see them doing and what about what they're doing um, is appealing to you. Wow. So currently right now for you, Mm -hmm. if you think about people on that trek and I want to make a distinction, not people on Instagram that are uh, pushing your perfection buttons, but people that inspire you and you go, Oh, I want, I want to live that kind of life. Yeah. Who, Who is that for you right now? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I think of of people that are sharing sort of really important uh, messages with a lot of people. So I think of people like Simon Sinek, yes. uh, from a leadership perspective, He's or amazing. you know, Brene Brown. She's amazing too. Um, yeah, those would be some of the the people that I would that I would think of for sure. Wow. Yeah. So when you're visualizing out into mm-hmm. the future, uh, how do you describe what you're seeing for yourself? Yeah, I mean, I see the opportunity to uh, be on on bigger stages. Um, and, and sharing with people, um, you know, some wisdom and some approaches to, uh, people leadership and how they can really sort of, uh, change the game in terms of, of the dynamic of their team and the commitment level of their team and what work can, can feel like. Oh my goodness. I can totally see it. Like I've seen this (laughs) since I met you, but it's, it's so exciting that you're here on this podcast. And if we're listening to this in 10 years out, like to hear back, <laughs> your fingers are crossing. <laughs> yeah. Like, I hope so. Yeah. But I also sense that this is totally doable for you. It feels very aligned yeah. with who you are and who you're supposed to be in the world. For sure. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, I heard heard that you were a presenter at the, I want to get this right, Gen Next yes, Summit. That's right. So you <laughs> emceed the last... Gen Next Summit this I last did. year. Yeah. Uh, and the year before that, I, I was involved as a keynote yeah. um, that year. And so that presentation was a presentation on big, hairy, audacious goals. Right. Um, and that was the first time that I started to put something together around more of the, more of those individual goals, because a lot of what I talk about are related to work and leadership and teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, Gen, Gen Next and, and the committee had asked me if I could put something together on the concept of momentum and forward momentum. Uh, it was based on their theme that year. Uh, and, and big, hairy, audacious goals was sort of the, the direction I took with that. Right. And I want to hear what happened because you yeah. shared a huge goal there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, it was funny. The whole process of going through that presentation was very funny. So, I, you know, I built this whole presentation and did a lot of research, figured out, you know, what some of those roadblocks were for people, what gets momentum uh, for people. And um, I have a bit of a process when I'm working on a presentation. 
to help myself keep moving through it. And usually that means putting together what I call uh, my shitty first draft, (laughs) (laughs) right? So just getting something down on paper, it doesn't look right. It's probably not in the right order. And this is preparing for when you're going to present. Preparing for when I'm going to present. And so I'm getting that draft down, you know, maybe in some PowerPoint slides, things like that. And then I'll often, because I'm a speak to thinker, I will connect with somebody on my team and walk through it with them because I need to talk about it to figure out how I want to make it happen, right? Sure. Um, and so I would have booked some time with with Brad, who's my my boss, uh, to sit down and go through it with him. And so we were going through it together, and I was telling him some of the stories I might tell. And it started by um, sharing that, you know, my uncle John does this open mic night, and I need to sing at that, and that's kind of a goal, and blah blah blah. And and then Brad was like, "Well, what would be your big goal?" around something like that. Like if that's a, you know, something you're interested in, he's like, what would you sing if Hmm. you weren't afraid or whatever? And I was like, well, on my bucket list would be this um, particular song from Rent. Oh yeah. The musical. Wow. um, Which I've been a fan of since I was a kid. And so I shared with him the song that I would do, which is a really weird song, especially if somebody's not familiar with the musical. And I'm not. Okay. So (laughs) what's the song called? The song is called Over the Moon. Okay. And it's essentially a, um, I'm going to play it for you later. (laughs) I want to hear it. We're going to go, let's go out on the podcast with a little bit of that. We've got to do that. Um, So it's essentially like a, a sung monologue. Uh, of one character who's very uh, political in the show, and she comes out and does this very strange singing monologue about cows and her <laughs> dreaming and jumping over the moon. Oh my god! What is it about this song for you? Uh, I have listened to that musical since I was twelve years old, oh, and yeah. I've just always loved loved sung, singing that song. Like I, it's just a song that has always felt good. You know, there's certain things that. When you sing them, they just like, they feel good and they feel right. And that song has always been that for me. And even before I saw the musical, I feel like I could picture what that song was. And then when I saw it, that's kind of what it was. (laughs) And so, yeah, it's just always been that for me, but it's such a weird song. And so (laughs) I'm telling Brad about it and he's like, well, you have to sing that at the the Gen X Summit. Oh my goodness. I was like, I mean, that's the most ridiculous thing. I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to do that. But you had that sort of feeling of, uh, I had that feeling of like terror, but not the kind of terror of like, this is wrong and bad. The kind of terror of like, oh no, yeah. I'm feeling this way because I At should do it. pit of your stomach yeah. as you're just bringing your hand there. You're like, I'm feeling scared because I should do it. Because it actually is, it's a Whoa. way to illustrate this whole point. If I'm going to talk for an hour and 15 minutes about big, hairy, audacious goals to a room of 400 super engaged Yes. Millennials. Yeah. Um, doing something dramatic that puts yourself out there is a really great way to maybe start that for some people. Wow. And so once I had that feeling, I kind of went around almost like begging people to tell me not to do it. So that I could, you know, I, I would say to Susan at, uh, at uh, United Way at Gen Next, I'd be like, hey, so there's this idea, but like that's that's ridiculous, right? Like, obviously, that's way too much. And she was like, I love it. You have to do it, you know? Whoa, really? I I would talk to a couple of friends about it. And I'd be like, but obviously, that's nuts. And they're like, Jane, you have to do it. So it was way bigger in your head. Yeah. Everybody was like, totally affirming the crazy idea. Do it. And so, uh, yeah, so that was terrifying, because I was kind of hoping somebody would tell me not to. So I could be like, yeah, no. You're right. Doesn't make sense. Um, so yeah. So then I, I kind of started practicing it. I went and sung it in front of my cousin once because uh, she's sort of a uh, a theater uh, person, has a theater background, and I was like, "Can okay, I need to sing it out loud and in front of somebody at least once before I get up in front of 400 people?" Um, 
and then yeah, did it at the end of the presentation. Did a, a good chunk of this uh, crazy song. This is major, uh, but it was so it was so wonderful. Like I've never had a, a reaction quite like that before because it's it's one of those things I think also that you recognize, and this is where the perfectionism piece comes in. Um, I think previously I might have focused on that ten percent or fifteen percent of people who are going to be like. What the heck is she doing? Oh, right. Whereas now, I was like, you know what? I'm not for everyone. I don't actually have to be for everyone. Yeah. If there's a small percentage of people in that room that really love it, that's going to be great. Oh, right? my goodness. I love I don't this. need 100% of the people in that room to respond. I need a small portion of people that get me and what we're trying to do here and who, you know, it prompts them to um, tackle a big hairy audacious goal and the reception of doing it was actually really really lovely did you go in with that mindset at the time because yeah. i knew i was like it's a weird song like some people and it's a, it's an event that has a real cross-section of people that attend too right you get a lot of um really professional yes, people you business. get a lot of people from community yeah so um i was like eh, it's probably going to um, you know, impact people a little bit differently, but that's okay. That takes a lot of courage. Would you say that was the turning point where you started realizing I'm not going to focus on the 10% that yeah. might think I'm crazy? Yeah. That was the moment for I that. I would say that was a, it was a building block of yeah. that. And there was probably one other one um, that I can think of. And that's a different presentation that I had done probably like even a year before the Gen Next one um, where I'd gotten my feedback uh, for this presentation. And there have probably been like 70 or 80 people in the room. And overall, the um, responses were really positive. Uh, you know, the most sort of negative responses for the most part were things like, oh, it was something I already knew quite a bit about, right. um, but still good information <laughs> or something like that. Right. Uh, but there was one comment that oh, just that one killed comment. me. Right. Yeah. And I think the thing that was funny is almost everybody who listed it was like, oh, Jane's energy is really great. Love her energy. And there was this one person that was just like, Jane is far too much. Oh, wow. Like, she needs to chill <laughs> was essentially the message um, that was that was listed there. And they had some other feedback and things and, and whatever. So what I, happened to you in that moment? I mean, I, I just remember like my heart sunk a little bit when I when I saw that. Yes. And um, that one was actually a very personal, like not personal, but you could tell whoever had written that you were like, oh, like they really didn't like this session. Like it's not not at all neutral. It's not just feedback. Yeah, it's, it's like, like tell I us did how you not really feel. like this. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I remember in the moment kind of like closing the document and being like, okay, I don't need to see this right now. Um, but I know I'd had a couple coworkers that had been in the session. And so uh, I followed up with them with that comment just to say like, hey, you know, I do a lot of speaking for work. If you think any of this stuff is feedback that I that I need that is helpful for me, let me know. And I, I would want to understand that and talk about it. Sure. Um, and the three of them that had been there were like, this person's out to lunch. We yeah. don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. It's fine. But that was a moment for me that, that was the start of that. You know what? Not everybody, like w I know one of the most powerful things uh, about me is my energy. Yeah. You have massively huge energy. And, and like, which is great. But some people aren't going to respond to it. Yeah. And so it can be the very best thing about me, but it can also be something that maybe turns off some other people. Um, but that is what it is. I, yeah, I love it. And as you're speaking about it, I'm thinking about the people that respond and they're just like, ugh, or they're irked by it. In some ways, that also might be uh, a gift for them, even though they don't realize yeah. it, where they're yeah. like, 
oh my gosh, like, you know, it might be the moment that triggers them into why am I reacting yeah. like this? Why am I irked by this? So even yeah. like that, but it's, uh, that's what I'm noticing as you're speaking about mm-hmm. it. Wow. So I'm just thinking of how courageous it is in the first place to get up and speak. Some people say this yeah. is the most terrifying thing for most human beings yeah. is to get up and public speak and professionally speak. And you do this. Mm-hmm. This is like what you want to do yeah. even more of. Yes. Like your goal was to get a TEDx talk. Yeah. So in the most recent presentation where I, I talked about big, hairy, audacious goals, I was like, okay, I want to get a TED talk. I want to get a TEDx talk. Yeah. Um, and... I I want to be a speaker. I want to, you know, I think one of the things I'd shared in that presentation was that sometimes it's really hard to claim uh, a title or a, an, a, an area of expertise for yourself, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's not like you go through school and you become a doctor and you're like, now I'm a doctor or now I'm an engineer or whatever that is. There's so many of us that are working in areas that are a little bit more gray and you decide when you are an expert in X, Y, Z. Right. It's not, not given to you from a degree. Yeah. And so, um, you know, one of the things that I had found was I, I just wasn't calling myself a speaker. I was doing a lot of speaking, uh, particularly about leadership and about sort of workplace culture. And I was like, hey, I need to actually claim that title of speaker. I need to put it on my LinkedIn. I need to add it into my bios and things like that. And call myself that. Yeah. yeah. I remember witnessing this yeah. at this event yeah. that you actually named it and mm-hmm. it was so powerful for you to claim that. Yeah. It was I was inspired. I was like, this is somebody that is living into their actual dream. Thank like you. the wish fulfilled is yeah. like you're acting as if it's already happened. And there's a few things I can't really talk about yet, but uh, I do feel like since putting that out there, um, things, you know, the types of things that I was really hoping would would start coming my way have wow um which is I'm, really wonderful i'm now i'm really curious about what's going on with tedx but i'm i we can't say anything i don't even know i have no idea but i just have a yeah. premonition that you will be on a tedx stage soon someday you know maybe. someday soon yeah. maybe yeah. wow um as you're speaking and let's just imagine that at some point you do get a tedx talk uh at this moment what would you want to share with in those, what is it, 14 minutes that you get? Yeah, whatever it is you get. Yeah, like what's the most important message you'd want to convey at this point in your life? Um, For me, it really relates uh, around leadership. Um, I I spend so much time with leaders. I also spend so much time talking with organizations about some of the HR um, challenges that they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And when I think about workplace cultures that are really struggling, when I think about um, a lot of HR challenges, they generally go back to leadership in an organization. And uh, I really believe leaders set the tone uh, for how an organization um, works and and for what that culture is. And so it it would be around uh, leadership and that that differentiator that each leader is in an organization. The word leadership's come up a lot in our talk today. And I can tell that you're passionate about it. Your eyes even kind of water (laughs) up about when you start talking in this arena, like, because you're so passionate, I sense. Um, Just in terms of the word leadership, it's a Mm -hmm. big word. How currently do you define that word? What what does it mean to be a leader in this world these days? I mean, it um, it means being responsible for other people. Right. Like they're under your, um, yeah, under, under your wing, under your responsibility. Right. It's, you know, the the leadership that I talk about, and there's so many different ways to lead. Right. There is. Um, when I'm talking, usually I am talking about people that are legitimately, um, you know, leaders of people on a team, right? Mm. Like they have a group of people that report, 
to them. Um, and so, you know, what, what is leadership? I think, uh, when you think about workplace culture and leadership, I think leadership is culture and culture is leadership. Like Mm. people talk a lot about workplace culture and what is that? What, yeah. What is that to you? And I truly think it's, it's leaders. I think culture is ultimately the way you get work done at work day in, day out. Your culture, your workplace culture is how things get done. You can call it whatever you want. You can say our culture is this, our culture is that. But at its core, what your culture is, is how things get done on a day-to-day basis and how people work together. Can you give me a couple of examples just off the top mm-hmm. of your head of what describe, like you know, types it, of culture? So, you know, if you have a highly collaborative culture, that means day-to-day people are collaborating. They're bringing the right people into the right conversations. They're asking um, people on the front lines for feedback um, before they make decisions and all of these other things. Lots of people would say our culture is collaborative, but are they actually executing on that Mm -hmm. day in, day out, right? They might say our uh, culture is, um, we're a family, right? Yeah. Um, And in order for that to be true, then day to day, day in, day out, you need to be treating each other like family, right? right? Like what does that look like in practice in yeah. your organizational culture? Wow. Yeah. And and so you're saying that a lot of that points to the leadership. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, leaders really do set the tone for how the rest of their team works together, how their team works with other teams. Is there anybody that's not a leader then? I mean, not really. I mean, everybody in an organization probably leads in some way. Yeah. Right. Um, it's just a matter of whether that's going in a positive direction or a not so yeah. Positive direction. Right. In the leadership circle, we call it like creative re- re- leadership or reactive leadership. Mm, yeah. 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 Like that more proactive, positive or yeah. negative. Yeah. And one of the things that I talk a lot about with leaders is the concept of making time to lead. Um, what does that mean? I mean, I think in practice, it means leaders putting time in their calendar on maybe a weekly basis where they sit down with themselves and they think, what's going well? What's not going well? Who's doing great? And how am I going to recognize that? Who's struggling? Mm. What coaching opportunity is there? Who have I not had a good check-in with uh, lately? But I think that um, when you think of really strong leaders, they might be people that are naturally doing that, reflecting, experimenting, figuring out what worked, what didn't, what they're going to try next time. For a lot of us, if that doesn't come to us naturally, we have to build some time in to actually spend thinking about that right. so we can execute. Wow. Um, and it's sort of that concept that, you know, I put time in my calendar for every other major deliverable objective that I have on my plate, but I don't put time in my calendar to think about my people. Uh. Right. And so um, I know that people are equally as important, if not significantly more important than most of the other objectives. Like all the tasks at yeah, hand. Yeah. All the other projects and goals. Right. Right. Um, How did it get that way where business becomes so task oriented versus relationship oriented for a lot of cultures? Yeah. I'm, I'm generally speaking, it's not all like that, I imagine. Yeah. But how did, how did it get like that? Like, why is that? I think it's because it's in some ways easier. Mm. It's easier to manage tasks and resources and schedules and whatever yeah. than it is to build relationships with people mm-hmm. and deal with all of the gray areas sure. that go along with that. Like feelings and emotions and... Yeah, all of those things. And that's always a really funny conversation because, um, you know, having previously worked in HR a lot, there's a, a really funny understanding of what leadership is versus what HR is, right? So I'll talk to leaders who are like, oh man, I love leading people. <laughs> But I hate all that HR stuff. 
<laughs> and I'm like, hey, just clarify for me. What do you mean by HR stuff? And they're like, well, you know, like I just don't like having the tough conversations, managing performance, all that kind of stuff. And I always have to break it to them. I'm like, that's not HR. That's leadership. That's just being responsible for other people. Wow. <laughs> right? Like that's not actually human resources. So what would you define as human resources versus leadership? Yeah. That's great. So, I mean, human resources is, it's the function of managing the human resources uh, overall in the organization and from a, you know, a compensation, from a uh, retention perspective, from a hiring perspective, and from a really coaching and developing leaders yes. perspective, but not doing leaders jobs for them. Ah. That's a really important distinction. Interesting. Yeah. Right. So my job from a human resources perspective is to coach leaders, give them the tools to be able to go and show empathy and care about their employees. Um, not for me to jump in and care on their behalf. Right. Not to do the work, the heavy lifting for them, yeah. but to coach them into that. Absolutely. Wow. So how do you begin that process as opposed to doing it for them? Yeah. It's a, I think it's a tough transition because I think you would find a lot of people in the HR uh, world have gotten stuck in that role of being the person that, you know, a supervisor drops somebody off at their office and they're like, Hey, can you care about this person for me? Sure. Um, and partially that's just getting really clear with people about what HR is and isn't and setting some boundaries there and saying like, Hey, you actually need to show that you care. I don't need to, you know, they don't need to know I care. They need to know you care and that right. you have their back. So let's talk about what that looks like. Oh, incredible. And then ultimately if I get in there and solve this problem, or care on your behalf, I'm essentially sort of um, taking away some of your authority. Like you're allowing me to now be the person that's the problem solver. Right. And so if you want the people on your team to see you as the problem solver, to come to you when they have problems, you need to respond. Uh, if I solve these problems, you're going to be annoyed six months or a year from now when all of your employees keep coming back to me and you're like, why aren't they coming and talking to, to me as their leader? Right. right? Wow. Is that ever amazing? I'm just thinking about how so many companies, when you walk in, have like their core values mm -hmm. and their mission statement and yeah. everything that's important to them. But just how often that just is like an, a nicety on the wall, but then the actual culture is so different from what we're wanting. Yeah. And that's where I think now from a, uh, an HR and a culture perspective, we're seeing a bit of a shift with some organizations from those really standard sort of old school values, Yeah, um, which I would argue are just kind of table stakes. Like they're a baseline right. for being decent human beings, right? Because those words on the boardroom wall are integrity, accountability, yes. teamwork, respect, right. like, right. All those things. All those standard things. And I'm like, Hey, that's, that, those aren't values. That's just like being a decent human. Yeah. That's like, that's foundational to even just show up. Totally <laughs> foundational. Work. Exactly. Yes. And so you see a lot of organizations now shifting to building something that they call a culture deck. Oh, wow. So instead of a just list of standard values. It's now a deck um, talking about our culture and in practice, that idea of how do we work together? What does working together actually look like in practice day to day here? Wow. Amazing. Yeah. And so how did, how does one create a culture deck? Yeah. That's so cool. Um, I think it's, it's a really interesting process. I think it has to be really collaborative, right? Cause I think you need people from all levels of the organization contributing to what they see happening in practice in yes. terms of how they work together. Um, I think that, as as work continues to evolve, you'll see uh, human resources working a lot more closely with marketing in a lot of organizations because really that's a joint endeavor on um, your internal culture, but your brand mm. also, right? Like those are very tied, yeah, right? So that's probably a joint venture between HR and marketing. Um, 
and and communications. Amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, as you're speaking about all this, I'm just having so much uh, respect and admiration for how much wisdom you have in this area, which is amazing. Thanks. Who, yeah. Who's influenced you? Like how have, oh, yeah. how have you arrived here at knowing all of this? That's a really good question. Yeah, I've I've been. Um, in some form of the HR world for probably almost 13 years now. Um, mm-hmm. Started in HR right out of um, university. Um, and I've had lots of really wonderful influences. For sure, the most uh, impactful influence has been my current boss, uh, the president of Acuity HR. Who made you sing the song? <laughs> Who made me sing the song. <laughs> in front of um, everybody. Yeah, Brad yeah. Lutz. And, and Brad actually has hired me a number of times over the last number of years. So um, my first job out of university working in manufacturing, he was the HR manager there. Wow. Uh, and he hired me on board. Um, we always joke that he's hired me four times. Um, he's tried to hire me five, but he's only been successful four. <laughs> okay. I always like to point that out. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he's hired, he hired me twice at the manufacturing place because I left once to go do some traveling and then I came back. Um, and then he moved into the financial industry and I followed him there as well. Um, and then after that worked at a few different places and ultimately ended up joining, um, his startup, uh, HR company, uh, acuity HR. So amazing. Yeah. And he's been, uh, extremely impactful for me in terms of, uh, you know, a number of things, which is helping me figure out what HR is and what it isn't. Um, and sharing a ton of his wisdom, um, you know, with me along the way. And I think over the last four or five years, really uh, helping me figure out sort of who I am uh, and, and what I can contribute independent, independently from him, like giving me a lot of freedom mm. um, from, from, you know, just sort of doing it his way. Right. Um, to be able to sort of figure out my my own way moving forward. Sounds like a real mentor for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And even incredible. when I didn't work with him for some of those periods in between, he was still somebody that I would, you know, call uh, when I was struggling with a certain situation with another workplace or something like that. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, this all started this piece of leadership in HR because you're standing on stage at a TEDx talk yeah. speaking about the power of leadership. Yeah. Um, when you were a kid, did you imagine that you would be uh, combining the world of human resources, leadership and TEDx? You know, I don't know. It's funny. <laughs> it all does kind of come together yeah. a little bit for me. I, uh, I have this one friend who I haven't seen in probably 20 years. Uh, but we're still friends on Facebook and she every once in a while comments or um, adds some commentary to something that's on my social media. And she's added a couple really funny ones over the years and, and it brings it all together for me. One of which was um, she found like a $10 IOU or sort of bet that we had made when we were 10 or 12 years old wow. about how I was going to like own a hotel or something. So like the business side of things <laughs> was always, was always you know, clearly even when I was 10 or 12, I was like, oh, I'm going to take over. Yeah. Um, but then she also had commented on something a while back where she was, I think it was something I must've been speaking at. And uh, she commented in the comments that her parents had gone to parent teacher interview and come home saying, well, the teacher just talked about how great Jane's speech was. They didn't really talk about yours. <laughs> oh, really? No kidding. <laughs> so this particular friend has highlighted for me that apparently You've um, always some had of this, this stuff, stuff. Has, has always been a part of my life, whether I realized it or not. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. But like so lovely of her to like add these little gems into my social media, <laughs> reminding me of these things I don't really remember. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Lots of great little mentors and people mm-hmm. that are supporting you on this track. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's amazing. Yeah. I want to try something right now that I haven't done on the podcast before. Okay. This is a first. Okay. Because it's become a bit of a, I don't know if it's like the biggest uh, audacious hairy goal mm. that, or whatever you call it. Yeah. That I, but I um, recently have been having people ask me to do this like quick five thing where I just like throw out five questions. Okay. And you just answer them. And okay. I mean, I'm not going to put like a, uh, I guess caveat on how many words you answer okay. this with, but it's like we don't ramble for like five okay. minutes Make on the it answer. A quick, quick answer, okay. but it can be more than three words for okay. sure. Okay. <laughs> so my first thing right now, what is lighting you up the most? What is lighting me up the most? Um, it is yes, yeah, speaking about leadership in front of people. Mm, yeah, okay, for well, sure. That's we've been talking about yeah. that, so that was easy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number two, who would you say is the greatest influence in your life right now? Oh, that's a good question. Who is the greatest influence in my life right now? Um, I'm going to say, can I say it's a group of people? <laughs> Absolutely. You can say however um, you want. Yeah. I have uh, a group of girlfriends that we're, we're really close and we're always on group texts uh, chatting with each other. And there's just, it's a small group. There's six of us. Um, but I would say uh, all of them in their own way are my biggest influence right now. They're all going through very different times uh, mm. in their life, um, but all of them uh, always bring like really wonderful wisdom mm. and support uh, sort of no matter what is going on in my life. The power of like friendship and yeah. community. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what would you say when you just, without overthinking it, what would you say was one of the most challenging times in your life that grew you the most? Hmm. Uh, I would say it was, uh, in my very early twenties, I did a semester of university in France, mm. which was wonderful. Um, but also probably the first time in my entire life I was lonely mm. and that was a really, um, interesting growth experience. So building some new connections there, um, letting go of some of that comfort of home. And that still stands out to me as being something that I learned a lot from about who I am, what's important to me through that process. Wow. That must have been quite the time. Mm -hmm. I I'd love to do a whole podcast on just <laughs> what you learned from that. That's incredible. I'm going to steal from uh, the Proust questionnaire at the back of Vanity Fair for this next one. Okay. What's your greatest extravagance? My greatest extravagance? <laughs> um, well, recently it's been getting my, my brows shaped and tempted at Brows with G. <laughs> oh, really? She seems to be a regular on this podcast. She's yeah. been on there here a few times. That's, that's the newest thing that I've been you oh. know, spending a little time and, and money on. I wish everybody could see your lovely brows. <laughs> Good job, G. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. Okay. And my final fifth question is this. Um, what is a motto that you live by currently? What is a motto that I live by? Um... I guess my, I, I like to make a theme for uh, every year. I like to think about some sort of, of theme. Last year, I think my uh, my theme was around energy mm. and, you know, cultivating good energy. This year, it's sort of the theme of magic. Oh. So if I had a motto this year, I think it would be to find the magic. Um, and that can be in really like big, exciting things, but it can also be in um, really simple things, right? Like the right song coming on at the right moment when you're driving somewhere Whoa. or something like that. You, that's amazingly synchronistic. I just want to share something that happened yesterday. Okay. I was uh, with, out with a friend last night for, for smoothies mm -hmm. and we were talking and uh, we were talking about how crazy the world is these days. And I just had said to her, I was like, you know, it all comes back to the Beatles lyrics of let it be. I yeah. mean, they got it right. Let it be. 
and all you need is love. Mm -hmm. Like I said this to her. And then I literally got in my car after and my iPod came on and the first song that came up was Let It Be. And I'm like, that's hilarious. So I listened through and then the next song that came on was All You Need Is Love. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. It's like magic. The universe is weird. Yeah. In like a wonderful way. Like, what what would you attribute? Like, what is magic to you? I just love to hear a little more on this. I mean, I think part of it is, uh, you know, putting the things out there mm-hmm. that you want mm-hmm. and like speaking those into existence to a certain extent, right? right. Like spoken um, by a speaker to, yeah. th- to think person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, I know for me, as soon as I have started talking about things that I really want in, in my personal life or in my professional life, um, those things start to show up right. a little bit. Right. Um, and and then also I do think when it comes to like the universe and magic, like appreciating those little things, right? Because um, we, we can't always have the the big magical things happening, but there's going to be lots of little things along the way. Um, and, and you can cultivate your own little bits of magic. You know, I think one of the things I'd shared before was um, that after Christmas, I sort of took my Christmas lights off my tree and I put them around my yoga mat. Yes. Right. Cause I early in the morning that. it's dark and it's hard to get up and do yoga. Right. And so like, okay, that's a little magical. If I get up in the dark and I do yoga surrounded by my Christmas lights. And, oh, wow. Right. So, um, you know, finding it in the little things, uh, but also maybe cultivating it a little bit yourself. What a beautiful way to to think about this is to just surround yourself with magical Mm -hmm. like opportunity or just environment to feel it. I I totally want to practice yoga there now. (laughs) Sounds incredible. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) Wow. You know, being with you, honestly, I would say magic is one of the words I feel Mm -hmm. when I'm around you in the little bit I've known you. That's very nice. Yeah, you really bring that into every space and it's it's a gift. And I just feel like this has flown by speaking with you about this. There's so much more I want to ask you. Um, So you're at, uh, I want to get this right. You're working with ACT. Acuity. Acuity. Yeah, Acuity HR Solutions. What does Acuity actually mean? So Acuity (laughs) is some sort of clarity of focus, right? You think of um, like acute or... um, yeah, it's it's like vision. Yeah, right? yeah, you totally. your your mental acuity or your visual acuity. Things yeah, like it that. sounds like part of your brand for sure. Yeah, like your personal brand yeah. is acuity. Yeah. So acuity HR solutions, and I just really want to encourage people to stay in touch with you. What will be the best way? Yeah. So the best way would probably be to find me on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, particularly from from a leadership and HR perspective, um, share a lot of leadership nuggets and wisdom. Yeah. Uh, there. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Jane Halbrick, thank you so much for being here. And uh, I hope you'll come back because I have, a, I have a whole bit I want to ask you about now on um, the imposter syndrome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd be into talking about that for sure. I know. So we will uh, anxiously await that. And I'm really excited to see you on a TEDx stage. I know it's going to happen <laughs> soon. I just, my fingers are crossed for you. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This has been lovely. Thank you. All right. Well, that concludes another episode of Let's Connect. I hope you're feeling inspired to set big, hairy, audacious goals for yourself and to step into your leadership in a new way. I know one of my goals right now is to host a retreat in Maui, Hawaii on mindfulness. Mindfulness in Maui. It feels kind of big and hairy and audacious right now, but after that conversation, I'm ready to write it down and to start stepping into it. So I will keep you posted on that. Let me know what yours are. Feel free to email me at any point off of my website, keithmcpherson.ca. And until next time, everybody, be safe, be well, 
and we'll see you on the next episode of Let's Connect.